Well, good morning. I'm just going to share a quick little, just an affirmation, I guess, as it were. About four years ago, I started this um, podcast because uh, I was really unable to express myself in writing. So as most people would turn to blogging, um, I actually uh, turned to recording. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of voice recordings that I saved before and since um, starting the podcast, right? Because, um, again, writing is not my forte. But just to give you an idea, um, I just put up a podcast that uh, was a beef noodle soup in the Chattiscoti. Seems odd, right? Um, it, almost nobody knows about the Chattiscoti, the, the, this idea, the tetralemma in Greek, um, that uh, the answer to things might be this, might be that, might be this and that, it might be neither. And the reason why I'm sharing this is uh, you have to uh, stay focused and uh, adamant. Because for years, years, decades even, I've taught meditation in a very weird way. I used to be considered a heretic because I taught um mindfulness and meditation as a, a constant, ceaseless activity uh, because of my own uh, background and trauma. Um, and, and for whatever other reason, I was unable to sit as it was initially taught. So I turned to studying uh, Buddhism, uh, yoga, yogacara, yoga, all of these different uh, practices, uh, qigong, uh, because I needed a way to solve my problem of both torment internally and um, physically. And so I actually interpreted uh, the teachings in a different way. I've mentioned this before, this idea of sati sampajana, that uh, to carry oneself uh, constantly. Same as zazen, when you translate zazen, the characters, it's not telling you to sit on a cushion, it's telling you to carry that focus from the cushion into everyday life. Now, this funny little tidbit. So in the last week or two, I've been, um, what would you call it? Uh, I've gone from vilified to vindicated. Because uh, what in the last week or two, there has been um, uh, a project put together that uh, shares truly what meditation is and uh, its benefits uh, both psychologically, religiously, ceremonially, everything. But more importantly for me, I've been vindicated in, in so many ways. So just in this week alone, uh, it started by um, a PhD out of Boston. Uh, he just did a video. I really do enjoy most of, his, uh, most of his work. He did a video showing... Uh, explaining how I've been right all along, that meditation is not this sit-on-a-cushion idea, that uh, it is satisampajana, this idea of how to carry yourself through uh, life every day, constantly. So what we've been teaching here in the West is, as I've always said, uh, the, uh, the basic intro to uh, mind training, jhana, jhana, uh, meditation. Uh, but it's meant to inform your everyday life, your every activity, not simply an activity you do on a cushion. 
So again, the video uh, showed that I'm not wrong at all. It's not that uh, that uh, maybe I've, I've uh, picked this up wrong, I've had the wrong teachers, what have you. I'm in large part self-taught, but I have had some teachers. And the reason why I mention that, I've had uh, three very particular teachers that I will uh, point to. So what's happened in the last week? So there was that video from a gentleman that I'm, I'm very familiar with. Uh, he's a PhD out of Boston. Um, this is his forte, as it is mine. But again, the video explained what meditation truly is. It's not to be sitting on a cushion. It's how you comport yourself through everyday life. It's just like Carl Friston's free energy. That is meditation. It's a way for you to accept reality for what it is. Predict it as best as possible, but to accept whatever may come, right? The eternal recurrence, the, uh, the, to the flow of the Tao, uh, to get out of your own way. So these three teachers that I've had, um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the head of the New York Vedanta Society... Uh, one of the foremost experts and scholars on um, Vedanta, Shaivism. Uh, he was also, at, uh, he went to Harvard Divinity School, but more importantly, he was even their, um, what do you call him, not a pastor, but chaplain or whatever. Um, Swami uh, Sarvapriyananda, Swami G, as we call him. Uh, on Sunday... For Buddha's birthday, he put out a video, and this video should be live in the next couple days. Uh, what they do is they go live on Sunday morning every weekend at 11, uh, and then, I don't know what they do, they edit it or what have you, and they put it up later in the week, sometimes a little bit later than a, than, than a week. But for his discussion on the Buddha and the Buddha's birthday, it's Vesek, uh, Vesek uh, this idea that we've picked a day when we'll celebrate his birthday, um, his uh, enlightenment and his uh, uh, par, uh, par in, uh, nirvana, his, uh, um, his ultimate attainment of detachment, if you want to call it. So he gave a little talk um, and once again uh, reiterated everything that I've said. In fact, he even went in to um, Yogacara. He talked about Shantrakirti, Vasubandhu. I mean, if you've listened to my podcast, you're familiar with these um, Buddhist scholars, right, from Nalanda. But he even reiterated my um, my theory that all of these uh, teachings were shared amongst different traditions up in northern India. He shared that as well, this truth. And, and he didn't even uh, mention what we've discovered just last year in, in the Swat Valley that uh, there's an even richer tradition of sharing these, these teachings for hundreds and hundreds of years. But he, he taught exactly what, what I teach, what meditation is, this idea of non-dualism. How can you be a non-dualist and think that meditation only occurs some of the time? Right? Uh, another one of my teachers is... Um, uh, one of the, well, I guess you could say, the foremost scholar on Sanskrit uh, and uh, Shaivism. Um, 
He's a professor at San Francisco State University and amongst others. His name is uh, Timosina. And uh, he recently shared the exact same thing. The idea that uh, not only is meditation something that you carry throughout the day, everyday life, but also that this Yogacara tradition informed the Tibetans uh, into Asia, uh, even informed Vedanta, informed uh, Shaivism. And so the final tidbit for me was uh, the Dalai Lama's Vesek message. And he essentially uh, gave a cliff notes, a Coles notes for Canadians. Uh, keep it simple, stupid, for Buddhism. And he taught everything like I mentioned. And even in the last week, too, there was even uh, another speech given at a, a Vesak retreat talking about how absolutely unimportant it is uh, to concern yourself with reincarnation. But that's a separate discussion. But the Dalai Lama's teaching was, once again, Shantrakirti's, Nagarjuna, Vasbandhu, the Yogacara, the Chattiskoti, right? The fact that it might be this, it might be that might be a combination of the two, or it might be something else altogether that we just don't know. We just don't know. So Swamiji in New York gave a speech on Sunday all about the Chattiskoti. even mentioned it. The Dalai Lama gave his speech uh, about the Chattiskoti and logic, doubt, reason, suffering and how it all ties together. Didn't mention the Chattiskoti. Timosina, talking about this idea of uh, maybe there's no separation between all of these traditions. Um, but I, I've mentioned this before. I prefer the way he actually explained it to me personally when we were talking about this shared um, teaching because that's what Swamiji spent the entire, pretty much the entire Sunday talking about. This confusion between Vedanta, Shaivism, Yogacara, uh, and Buddhism, right? So that's why I call myself Yogacaran, and, and why I lean heavily towards Vedanta and Shaivism, because my tradition of Yogacara has um, kind of disappeared, as it were. But Swamiji spent Sunday talking about how it is resonant. He didn't mention some of the terms that I've mentioned to you before, this uh, Amala Vijnana, this perfected um, self, which he would call Shakti. But all of these gentlemen proceeded to essentially say that you don't have to believe in any of this stuff to understand that the trick to all of these teachings is in you. Right? That's what the Buddha spent most of the talk about, is that nobody can teach you this. They can't um, share it with you. All they can do is convince you to look into the nature of self, your own self, and understand these truths for yourself. That was Dalai Lama's entire takeaway. I love that too, because his name is Tenzin Yatso, which means Ocean of Wisdom. And I've mentioned this before, my own name in Gaelic actually means uh, essentially similar to that, but it, it pronounces as ocean, ocean. Um, 
So it, it sounds like ocean, and it means uh, not that different from the same idea. Uh, ocean uh, is the idea of great spiritual power, a being with great spiritual power. So not, not uh, somebody uh, with any sort of uh, magical powers. So this ability to remain focused, to remain aware throughout life's uh, daily activities, challenges, sufferings, whatever you want to call them, that's the true, I guess you could say, the true uh, um, distillation of the teaching, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, uh, just understand that uh, it's all about cause and effect. So whatever you want to happen, uh, you must choose uh, how to proceed based on uh, those truths. So you don't have to uh, believe in no self, but you do have to understand that um, selfish choices, ignorant, closed-minded choices actually tend uh, to increase our suffering. So in the end, after four years of sharing this uh, podcast, not really knowing where I was going, just sharing what is meditation, what is healing, and what is in it that attracted me to this protocol from the very beginning. And what is it? It's literally what the Dalai Lama talked about. He opened up his Vesic talk by saying that a lot of philosophies have shared insights and wisdoms, but what makes Buddhism so rare and special is that Buddha um, actually uh, asks you uh, to make sure, right? Trust, but verify in his message, in his protocol, in his healing. Understand that you have to personalize it, but also remain, you know, what's the word I'd want to look for here? Um, um, well, you have to embrace doubt because, as I said earlier, doubt is guaranteed. Trust is not. Right? Faith is not guaranteed. Suffering is. So, since we already know <laughs> what's guaranteed and what isn't, it's, once again, this idea of um, gaslighting yourself, in a sense, highlighting the positive or um, remaining uh, hopeful, leading with trust, even in the face of doubt. Right? But on that, I just thought I would uh, share um, my best wishes at Tashdalek for uh, this uh, special weekend that we just had. Well, it's a... Uh, it's a holy day, a holiday. And it's funny because it fell uh, the weekend of Friday the 13th, which is my holy day. I consider uh, Friday the 13th a very special day because uh, that's the day that uh, makes me realize that um, I'm not the weirdo. Everyone else is. It's Friday the 13th that I walk around looking at other people Right, uh, kind of like Jung said, where people say they have no religion, yet he sees them go about uh, 
rituals and ceremonies on a daily basis. And that's the exact same way that I feel. So many people talk about being irreligious or um, not being superstitious. Because I joke, I joke there are many cultures that are still seriously superstitious. But unlike those cultures, the West won't admit how incredibly superstitious they are. I mean, I've mentioned the, uh, the source of uh, Friday the 13th. And maybe it's because I learned uh, the source, right? Because as a young lad, I was really into uh, some of these mysteries, the Templars, the Aztecs, the Bermuda Triangle, these ideas. But because I was learning them on my own, I didn't realize these were mysteries without a solution. I treated them all as um, a mystery that just needed some logic, some reason, some, some solution applied to it. And so in the end, I, I actually did realize uh, there were some answers to some of these questions, right? Um, and sometimes the answer is, I don't know. And we may never know. Right? Because I see people every day spinning their wheels because of something that has no answer, possibly may never have an answer. And rather than accepting that truth, they continue in, you know, wasting energy on trying to find an answer. And I guess that's really the biggest takeaway. I, I always thought my biggest uh, contribution would be explaining you know, what mindfulness really is, carrying it through everyday life. But it might be this idea of doubt. Right, Because what is it in me that has allowed me to arguably uh, live a life of uh, abject suffering and what have you, but to still feel blessed and hopeful, right? to be subject uh, to some of the darkest um, drives in the, in the human spirit, and yet still see, uh, or at least not lose all faith, in, in the potentiality of, of the human creature. I know that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. What is it, like Viktor Frankl, might survives concentration camp and still remains hopeful? What is it in the human creature that allows us, um, well, actually not allows us, what is it in the human creature that we create our greatest, our greatest uh, anything? our greatest selves, our greatest ideas, they all come from strife, from challenge, from torment, right? It's always this joke that comedy comes from, from great suffering. And, and that's not um, untrue, uh, but we forget that almost everything in life comes from this because as Nietzsche said, all great pleasure uh, must have its roots in great suffering, because uh, how can you reach the heights without knowing, uh, you know, the deepest lows? But on that, I guess I'll leave it. I meant it to be quick. It sure heck wasn't. My apologies. Hope you have a wonderful day. Best wishes.